NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org slash connected or call 1-800-460-460. 6276. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to NASM Master Instructor Roundtable Live. My name is Prentice, and I am here with my colleagues, Wendy Batts and Marty Miller. How are you all doing this afternoon? Doing great. Excellent, Prentice. And we have our man behind the scenes, Greg, keeping it all together for us today. And we have a special series planned out for you today. And this is more about the art of training. And how do we take all of this information we've been talking to you about for better part of a year? And, and how, do you, how do you take this and put it on the floor? So we're going to start with using CES for small group training, because I'm sure you don't want to take them uh you don't want to take one of your clients from the couch into a power workout, which Wendy and Marty will be discussing in a couple of weeks, but we want to start them with a foundation, and CES is a good place to start with a group. So why don't you tell us how we're going to take CES and make it fun for everybody to get them to their goals? Well, Go absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's so we're excited about the series because, again, we want to kind of start, like Princess said, from the beginning all the way up to the most, you know, um, powerful level that you can get a client. But we also want to think about group training. Um, group training, obviously, is something that many, many people do, many trainers, and there's so many benefits to group training when it comes to, you know, being able to have more clients come in um, at one time. You're going to be able to make more money, of course, but then um, also you want to think about truly, you know, we've talked so much about assessments that if you have an assessment um, and you see all these compensations, then how are you supposed to do this crazy boot camp and then, you know, possibly injure someone? So, so I'm super excited about this, you know, part one of the series, because I think, you know, hopefully Marty and I can talk about how we integrate so many different components of the CES, even in the small group um, kind of you know, the small group training, I guess. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's what we're going to, we're going to spend some time talking about today. Yeah, and, and really when you, you, what I get excited about this topic is, you know, and I know that we both love the CES cause we understand how beautiful it is to use throughout everybody that we work with fitness levels. And a lot of people think that it's only for deconditioned people or injured people. It has an absolute place there, but I also love the CES because sometimes as we undulate programs, 
I've worked in professional sports. You still work with a lot of professional athletes. Sometimes in the middle of a very hard training schedule, you'll purposely put some a corrective exercise program in. So there's so many ways you can use it. We just want to make sure that we can, you know, stick to the science, but bring it to life in this fun and engaging way. And, you know, being in the industry for so long and, you know, with the things we do differently, what we have seen is some people go after the excitement of getting people to exercise and they forget the science. So really like a term that I use a lot is, you know, I always talk about training people, not exercising people. Training is specific programs for desired scientific outcomes. So I've kind of merged that with, you know, I want enter training, entertainment with a training philosophy. And you can easily do that with all the models. And we'll flow through that focused on the CES today. But I'm excited to hopefully get people to look at the content differently and then how to use it in an engaging, fun way. Absolutely. And you brought up a good point there, Marty. And then I'm done we, for the day. See, you're done for the day. <laughs> good night, everybody. That was he's, so easy. See y'all next time. <laughs> he's uh, he'll be uh, selling uh, copies of his album on YouTube. That's right. Um, but yeah, it, it's very important for us to realize that even if you're working with people who are trained and who do work in in sports, that coming off of a hard season, or if you're more of a, a a weekend warrior coming off of a hard cycle, you do need to step down. And practicing using CES as a training session is going to be beneficial for those uh, a few weeks to help your body reset. Okay, so tell us, tell us a little bit more about what we want to accomplish with CES and small group training, Wendy. Yeah, well, you know, Marty and I, like I said, you know, when we think of small group training, you know, oftentimes people in their mind automatically go to boot camp. And that's one of the that's one of the things we want to make sure that we separate because when you're thinking about small groups, you want to think about what is the group that you feel the most comfortable training and being able to provide the best service possible. And so, you know, again, we're a lot of the, the small group training came from like the military boot camps. And so we want to kind of think about taking the boot camp philosophy out of your mindset and think about what are the, what are the clients coming to see you for? And then at that point, how can you design a program that's going to be in the best interest of your clients that are there at that particular hour or time that you're training them? Cause I mean, again, it depends on the time you can do a small group training for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. Um, I personally helped open gyms in Arizona and we did, uh, we did small group training. We maxed out at five individuals when we did it. And, um, every 45 minutes we would end up those people would leave and a new group would come in. And so, you know, again, the way that you structure your group training, I think is going to be very important and you have to structure it the way that you feel the most comfortable. Now, when people sign up for that type of group training, they would, they would sign up for their specific blocks, but they were also supposed to come in and foam roll and statically stretch on their own. So therefore that 45 minutes they spent with me was specific training instead of doing the warm-up component as well as the cool down so they still needed to structure an hour out of their day knowing that they had to do the front end and back end on their own and we would also when they came in and did their assessments we would say you know i still wanted to see how they moved so when they would come in to try to join quote the group they had to do a quick assessment before and then we put them in the slot that they could do on a timing standpoint but also wanted to put them with a group that was kind of on the same level um and again, the way that I structured mine was I also 
had everyone doing individualized programs. And so I am very good at multitasking, but I would do my homework the night before. I would write everyone's programs out. I would set something up and I designed mine where they had to count on their own, but I could say, Hey, you turn your, you know, turn your toe in, draw in. Oh, Hey, when you're doing this, this is what I want you to do. Show, tell, do, Hey, by the way, over there, you know, call them by their name, you know, watch this, that, and the other. Now you could do it individualized or you could also do it as a true group doing the same thing. So we're going to talk about all that as we break it up. But I, you know, that kind of brings us into the second and third points of as an instructor, you need to know what is your price point, how many people per session, and then what's your niche. But most importantly, it's very, very important that you have fun as well as your clients are having fun. Um, because again, you're going to be able to make a lot more money having more people in your group and you can charge less as well. So they keep coming back for more. Um, but you have to decide as a trainer, where do your interests lie and where do you feel more comfortable in the designing the program component, either individually or as a group? And if I can jump in there, the one key point is the reason we put that picture there is <laughs> not that we want you to be the drill sergeant. We want to let's have a discussion on where this came from. So boot camp is a great concept, but it didn't come from scientific application. It wasn't designed for that because I've talked to plenty of people in the military and we, NASM and other people we know have worked with people currently in the military and they are shifting their focus to a certain extent. But a boot camp was originally designed for, at the time, 18 to 22-year-old men. Now, that's changed, obviously, to include females. But it was a job interview. It was, can I mentally, physically break you down to where you quit? If you quit, we know where you should or shouldn't be involved in the military. So nothing wrong with the boot camp concept. Nothing wrong with getting people to work hard. But let's understand that. When we say boot camp, we're not thinking about what it was truly initially designed for from the military because that was their goal was can we get you to break down and quit when you're not feeling well? So, again, everything Wendy said is awesome about how we want to run it. But I just wanted to kind of give that overarching you know, principle of where it came from, but how we need to adapt it so that way we're not trying to break people down. Yes. Very- Yes, so I, it, it's it's actually a little sad. I have to leave my gunnery sergeant references at home. I can't use my Arlie Army voice anymore. Uh, but I want to ask you a question before we move on to the next slide. Now, when we talk about price, obviously it's it's beneficial to the trainer to get as many people as he or she can into that session. But CES is uh, is pretty, it's pretty targeted and it requires the focus of the trainer. So what's that threshold uh, between uh, quality and quantity uh, regarding the number of people uh, you should have in your sessions? Uh, Marty, what do you think about that? I think you have a couple different ways to do it. If you're in a facility that also does private training, you know, you may have the ability to do an assessment for everybody as they come in. Then, you know, how you, depending how you want to run your business, you could say, here's what I'm finding in your assessment. From what I find in your assessment based on your goals, here's the programs that we offer that I think fit best for you. Maybe you would benefit for our two to four weeks of personal training, and here's why. Maybe you can move right into our, whatever you want to call this, small group training. And what I always did, Prentice, you'd appreciate this, going back to martial arts. Everyone starts at a white belt for a reason. So when I did my small group, I, would, I wouldn't call it beginner. I would say phase one. And then you do when you do go through phase one for 
three to four weeks, then we offer phase one and phase two. And then, you know, so they kind of knew that there was a progression and we tried to have a wide variety in the schedule where, you know, it all worked. But I worked in a facility that was not small group only. So I would always do the assessments and then give them two opportunities. Do you want to work on this individually? Or if you go right into group training, please understand, maybe we assign you some homework, you do some other things, but this is the best small group for you currently. Perfect. And what do you think about that, Wendy? What was, what was your threshold? Um, well, again, you know, I personally felt comfortable with five. And again, a lot of, I think what will determine that is going to be what, what area, like how much room do you have in your quote facility or are you doing this outdoor? Um, I, I obviously worked indoors. And so we had, you know, we had so much equipment and we had, you know, a certain amount of space. And so that allowed me to design programs. Again, I, I ran five people doing totally different things, but again, I could look at them and, and, you know, and their job was to make sure that their form was exactly how we talked about it in the very beginning, obviously always going over the five Ks. And then I could cue them as I was looking at different people. Um, the thing is, is you want to be able to produce the best quality, not the quantity. And I think that's, that's where every trainer is going to be different because again, if you have 20 or 25 people in a group, can you truly see everything that's going on? And if so, then, um, then go for it. But to me personally, I felt like I could provide the best service as well as, you know, you could kind of still work out with your friends as long as you were kind of on the same page, but they were still individualized programs. And so it was a little bit different. Now, you know, again, if you're doing like, and we're going to talk about the different setups, but if you had a setup where you had 10 people that came in and everyone's doing the exact same thing, you may be able to, to correct form. And that might be, you know, something that you feel comfortable with, but you know, that's where you've got to think, what is your niche? What are you good at? Where do you feel the most comfortable you know, training someone personally or training the group, and then how are you going to design your small group? Because again, if you have, you know, everyone doing the same thing, you may be able to take more than five because you're really focused on everyone doing the same thing and you can kind of walk back and forth and correct and cue as needed. Perfect. So now you, you've said a couple of things. You've gotten people warmed up to the idea. Let's talk about now how you're going to actually assess them and implement the CES into their training. Let's keep going with you, Wendy. Sure. So again, you know, and I've said this and and I even said that on the Facebook page yesterday, like I am all about the assessments because if you're not assessing, you're guessing. And so um, if, if it is a new group of people and I'm not familiar with them, or even if there's a couple people that are new as a quote warm up again, you know, we'll have them foam roll and stretch and do what they need to do. However, I always, as one of the first quote exercises is put your hands over your head and I want you to give me 10 squats because again, it's a more of a dynamic warm up, but I can kind of scan the room and I can see what are the most common compensations with that group that's in there for the day? Because again, you may not always have the same people coming in and out. And if you notice that there are multiple people with their feet turned out or multiple people with their arms falling forward and a low back arch, you want to try to kind of design your programs to help kind of still clean that up, but still provide the, you know, the group atmosphere of everyone doing things together. And so I think, you know, again, the five kinetic chain checkpoints, you know, signing the, or, you know, putting them in the overhead squat. And then at that point, if you saw like minimal compensations within the group, 
Then the second thing that you could do is put your hands on your hips. And I want everyone to give me five single leg squats on each leg. And again, still looking, it's an assessment. They're just doing it as a group. And it, again, I can see the most common combinate or uh, common compensations and then adjust accordingly. Um, but as a trainer, if you are going to do that, you're going to have to be able to do things on the fly and, um, you know, and some of the corrective work and some of the exercises we cover today, I think will be super, super beneficial for anyone that, that, that comes in that has some of the common compensations we see very often. Right. Perfect. So let me ask you, uh, one follow-up to this. So a lot of things going on in that group setting. You're assessing multiple people. I think all three of us have done that before. How do you, Wendy, how do you document that to make sure you have a plan for your for that individual and then also for your, your groups uh, moving forward? Well, I think it's extremely important, again, and Marty and I has ta have talked about this in the past, that you also, for every exercise that you have, you have a plan. So when you go into your group, you need to have a plan of what you're going to do for that time. A, it takes the guesswork out of your program design truly, and you kind of can focus more on the clients versus, oh, what am I going to do next? But if you notice that someone is struggling with the exercise selection that you have, you always need to have a regressed and progressed way of, of doing an exercise. And so if you have someone doing like the single leg squat and you notice they're falling all over the place, their knees caving in, it's not safe, then at that point you can show them, you know what, hey, for you, I'm noticing some compensations just to keep it safe. I want you to do it this way and then show them an alternative way of doing that. So they're still part of the group. They're just doing it at a way that's going to be safe for them and still beneficial for for them as well okay marty do you have anything to uh add to that yeah just a couple other things like if you get a group of people that get to train for a period of time and you know understand your cueing and your coaching you know apprentice again we understand this from martial arts sometimes a student becomes the teacher in the sense that you work with partners so sometimes depending how you want to put your programs together you could have some of the other people if the, if the group gets has to get bigger they start to cue each other they start to coach each other so it's a sense of community and now you've got extra sets of eyes over a period of time where they know one or two, you know, they don't have to know all the compensations that we would be looking for, but we could set people up and say, okay, guys, make sure you partner their feet, stay straight. So that way, if you're moving around, et cetera, et cetera, you know, so I like to do that and build that sense of community. And also at the beginning of the class, I kind of set the foundation. So, okay, here's what we're working on today. And I kind of lay out again, I don't say beginner, advanced regressions. We're talking to you all with those terms because we're professionals, professionals, but you know, you build that to where if I give you the, you know, tap or the, you know, snap of your fingers, I want you to do this. And it's only because we're looking for excellence. So I put it in their mind that we're not regressing them. We talk about that amongst each other. But in the class setting, we're trying to make sure people are OK going down to that regression because they want to achieve what everybody else is achieving. So you got to set that foundation, that sense of community. So that way, everybody you know feels good if they're doing different exercises or levels of the exercise. And I think you bring up a really good point about making corrections and taking people through re regressions because they all have stuff that they're dealing with. We all have stuff that we're dealing with in our regular lives. Someone's gonna be yelling at us. We do not want to come into a place, into a setting that's supposed to be fun and uh, have someone telling us we're doing it wrong. So you still wanna make them feel you absolutely want to make them feel that they're they're successful so that they keep coming back and, and making their improvements. And maybe we'll do another webinar on this, but you know I studied that for my doctorate. You'd be stunned how many people 
don't like that atmosphere when you've got that drill sergeant because for every one person that motivates, that puts fear throughout the rest of the class. And they may never say anything to you, but maybe this is why they don't come back. So I always use positive reinforcement. And now, Prentice, I know you. If I needed to give you a little nudge, I could walk up to you and be like, Prentice, come on, I know you got more. I'm not yelling it across the class. So just another little, the art that you talked about on why we do what we do, because we always want people to feel good about themselves in a facility like this, because they're intimidated sometimes coming in anyways. Well, and I think, again, that's what separates us from the boot camp, because at boot camp, you're screaming like, hey, give me five more, like, you know, and they're screaming like, it's time for burpees, like, you know, you get, you know, don't be a slacker, again, all this negativity, but I think it's also, you know, the important thing that you, you probably saw on the other slide on the last step was you have to keep it fun. They have to have fun. You have to have fun. Your energy is what's going to motivate them as well. And so, you know, you have to, if you're having a crummy day, you're going to leave it out outside because when you go in and you start training that group, it's all about positive everything, positive for you, positive, them, you know, for them. And then everyone's happy usually when it's all said and done. They got a great workout. You're feeling better about yourself as the trainer as well. Um, but yeah, leave the baggage outside and everyone has a good time. <laughs> Yeah, and I want to circle back before we move on. I want to circle back to an important point that you made at the beginning. In the boot camp, those soldiers are being trained to pick up a rifle or do some other highly stressful job. Uh, this isn't for someone coming looking for some de-stressing activity after work. You have to know the difference, know what you're doing these exercises for and where it's appropriate. So now let's talk about the four-step corrective process and how you actually implement this into your, into your boot camps. So we all know the steps uh, inhibit, lengthen, activate, integrate. Now with a group with one-on-one, -on -one, this is pretty simple to do. How do you do this with a group? And if we look ahead, uh, tell us a little bit how you program this, Wendy. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so if we go to the next slide, we actually just, once again, wanted a quick outline, um, again, of the definitions. So when we're talking about, you know, we did kind of like an overview um, with the assessments. And so, you know, we're kind of seeing what the common compensations are. Um, I usually, and I know Marty is kind of the same, we will let everyone know, you know, um, if we're coming into the group, like everyone will grab a foam roller and we'll foam roll some areas together, or we could statically stretch. Or you could do it, like I said, on the setup before, if they know what to come in and foam roll ahead of time, that's definitely super, super important. But we're only focusing on the areas that are overactive. And um, and then when we get into lengthen, again, um, you know, if you look at the definition, so Greg, if we can go to the next slide, but if we go into lengthen, again, we're still focusing on those common areas that are overactive. And even if you don't do an assessment, you guys know that people's calves often get tired, or I mean tired, they get over, or usually overactive. Um, you know, sometimes knees cave in on a majority of people and it's okay to foam roll the adductors, you know, or foam roll the lats. Um, so, you know, think about common muscles that are overactive. If you don't do an assessment, you know, keep that in mind. Um, and then statically stretch those same areas. And then, and then again, what we're going to spend a majority of the time talking about is how do you do activation exercises as well as integration exercises in a group setting, because again, you know, it is very specific. It's very pinpoint. And so we wanted to offer you guys ideas that as a group, everybody could do, do successfully and do with minimal equipment and they could execute it correctly. That's only going to help them, um, based on common compensations. So, um, 
So if we go to the next slide, we will go ahead and dive straight into the activation. And Wendy, if I can just throw something in here, what I've done from experience is, again, if you get a, a group, once you get everybody through and there's the majority of people are returners and they know how to foam roll, don't skip that part because even if it's five minutes, that's the time that I set up the class. I start mm -hmm. to demonstrate the exercise. I give them the progressions and regressions. I start to tell them, okay, here's our flow for today. So it also builds that sense of the community. So while they're foam rolling, now you're coaching and prepping the class so that way you have a higher chance of success because people understand, okay, we're going to do this today. Here's our flow today in case you change it up on occasion. So I, I love that time for a little extra coaching. Absolutely. Or, you know, ask questions like, you know, what are you guys hoping to get out of today? You know, and, uh, you know, just ask how their day's going, you know, try to find, you know, try to build the rapport because again, they need to have a good time. They need to trust you. You want to give them a good workout, but again, you also want them to keep coming back. And so if you just come in, you don't say anything and all of a sudden you've got, you know, you're just in, into the workout again, they don't know what to expect as Marty just said. They really, maybe if it's their first time, are not comfortable right now, and they're trying to figure out why you've got them on this roller that hurts like hell. And then, you know, and then at that point, you're beginning a workout. So, you know, I think it is a really good rapport time as well. Okay. And it looks like we had a question come through. And if we could put the gentleman's name back up. Daniel, thank you for joining us today. And Daniel wants to know, what if you have a client that is rude to others? Uh Marty, let's, uh, how would you deal with that? So going back to, I always like to use a phrase, I'm always trying to control the narrative. So again, when I bring people in to do the assessment, when I bring them into the facility, when I talk about the class structure, when I have that coaching time, when I'm foam rolling, I'm always trying to set the tone. So in that, I will say, you know, that, you know, I'll, I'll kind of lay some ground rules politely without them even really knowing that. But like, all right, guys, we're here to have fun together. We're here to work together today. All you know, we're here to have positive feedback. You know, so I kind of always am setting that tone. And also, when they see me not yelling and screaming at people subconsciously, they know that that's not the atmosphere. Now, if that happens, what I tend to do again is if they blurt it out, I'll be like, Daniel, I'm going to use your name for a second. I'm like Daniel, thanks for that. I got it. I'm, you know, I kind of like take control. If it continues to happen, I'll walk up and Hey, Daniel, I got it. I'm let me coach, you know, and then if I have to pull them aside, I'll be like, you know, I understand maybe your frustration or I understand, but bring that to me. Let me handle that. You know? So I start globally and be like, Hey guys, thanks. I, I got your, I, I, mean, I got it. You know? And so that way it hopefully cuts it off quick. And then again, if I have to get into somebody's ear, I'll say it quietly during the class. And then if I have to speak to them afterwards, of course. Okay. And uh, Wendy, how do you deal with that situation? Um, it's pretty much the same thing. I mean, again, you know, you just want to say you guys are keeping it positive here. So, you know, um, you know, again, trying to reinforce the the positivity and in the energy in the room. Now, to Marty's point, you know, depending on if you do have a bigger group, if you are wearing a microphone, it's really important that if you do have those sidebars that you actually mute your mic. Because again, you know, you oftentimes you're going to say something and you don't want other people to hear because it can bring some negative thoughts to those individual. So again, just remember, you know, it's all about you. Like you're there to focus on you. Like, don't worry about anybody else. Just, just let's all have a good time. Like, you know, let's keep going, you know, and then, and then to your point, Marty, if you need to like tap someone on the shoulder, like, Hey dude, you got to shut that down. Um, or even just give them kind of the, not a good, not a good thing to say, you know, um, then that's okay. And, and if you have to excuse them, 
from the room, then do it. You know, again, it's your class, you're running it and you want to provide a very good and positive environment as well as a very good workout. And you need to focus on your clients that are in there, their execution and their movement. You don't have time for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you both brought up a good point that it's up to us as coaches to set the tone, to set those expectations up front. And usually, usually people are pretty good about following, about following your expectations. I haven't had that many experiences with super rude people, but it all starts, it all starts at the top. Lead by example. Okay, so... Yeah, before, ahead, before we move on too, I know like, and, and again, and with my experience, because this was something that like I built my, a lot of my you know career doing and was pretty successful doing it was when you have like a small group of people and they come in at the same day, at the same time, you start to build a community within themselves. And so let's say, you know, it was always Marty, Prentice, myself and Greg, and we were the, we were the team that always came in at the same time. Prentice, if you were missing, like you didn't come in one day, a lot of times you would get calls from everyone else. Like, Hey, are you okay? You know, what's going on? We missed you today. And so that also keeps people coming back. And so I think building a community within the group itself says a ton about, you know, the characters and and friendships that are happening within the small groups. And that's why I really loved it because they actually hounded them more than I did. And I was just super excited to see them come back. So just wanted to throw that out there too. Okay. Yeah. All great, all great suggestions. So thank you for that insight. And uh, thanks for your thanks for your question. So now let's talk about integration exercises and uh, how do you implement these into your group training sessions? Well, if we can go back one, um, let's can we talk about activation first? <laughs> we missed activation. <laughs> Greg is so excited to, to move on to integration. I think um, these are some of the ones that Marty and I love to do, and we do very often in small groups as well as one-on-one. Um, and again, in the CES, you guys saw like there are specific exercises that you could do to really try to activate muscles that were found to be underactive in the assessment. And so again, if you think about small group training, if you did kind of a global assessment, you could get, gather some of that information and then immediately pull some of these exercises in. Or if you, you know, just want to, you know, just do things that you know we're going to help people with common compensations, you know, we often do the ones that are listed below. And Marty, do you want to kind of take us through, through why we chose those? Yeah, because, you know, we're going to look at the major muscles that tend to be underactive. So heel walks, you're getting an anterior tib. Of course, you're also going to be getting some other, you know, things because we're always going to be in ideal posture. So when we're doing the heel walks with ideal posture, yes, you're going to get more glute and core stabilizers and shoulder retraction, et cetera. But, you know, primarily, you know, you're going to hit the anterior tib there. Single leg hinge with Cobra. Again, we're getting a lot of glute. Single leg if you keep the neutral arch position, now you're getting posterior tip, you're getting medial gastroc, you're getting a lot of other things, but now we're getting into that retraction, depression of the mid trap, low trap, and then all the deep intrinsic core stabilizers. So you can see through here, you know, I don't need to hit each one, but we're going after the anterior tip, posterior tip, glutes, core stabilizers, shoulder retract, depression, and everything that just puts us in ideal posture. And we're going to do these for prolonged periods of time. So just because we're doing a boot camp doesn't mean it's all explosive stuff. We will get to that in a couple of weeks. But this is still going to be a great workout. And there's ways that you can sprinkle in other activities to elevate heart rate, whether it's jogging in place, whether it's jumping jacks, whether it's battling ropes, whether it's shadow boxing, whether it's whatever you want to do. And remember, 
this is for a group of people that need some CES. This isn't somebody that is coming out of surgery, coming out of physical therapy, coming back from a lot of pain and discomfort. That's the individual that would need a very specialized individual CES program. This is more for the general population that moves well enough, but you know needs to address a lot of these you know, weaknesses, but wants to get right into a group type of uh, program and or that's what you, you want to offer in your facility. Yeah. And, and to, to kind of piggyback off of that, I mean, guys, you know, if you are going to do group training and you had them foam roll and you had them stretch, these are some, you know, pick two or three of these mm-hmm. and have these as your beginner workouts, you know, or exercises. And then at that point you can do whatever you want, which, you know, again, we're going to do another one with more OBT stuff. Um, but, but these are really good activation exercises that are like to Marty's point, they're really going to hit those muscles that really should be activated before you do anything on a higher level anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the last ones I wanted to touch on and and Marty, I know um, you know Rick Ritchie just did this at Optima, but you know the towel exercises. Um, everyone usually brings a towel with them, and so if you're going to be doing this indoors or and or outdoors, you'll notice that there's not one thing that we have listed right here that requires any equipment. Everything is something that you could do on your own. Um, you could do this online and virtually as well if you were going to do virtual quote small group training um, exercises. Again, keeping that four to one count. But the towel exercises, everyone has one. They usually bring it with them to wipe off their sweat. Um, and there's some, like you could do the battle ropes with two towels. You could do, as you can see this individual, they're holding onto the towel and they're pulling back. So they're getting a lot of posterior delt. Um, there's a lot of really good stretching and different movement patterns that you can do and then do isometric holds to really get muscles to fire without having to use cable and without having to use any anything else um, other than what they easily have available when they walk through that door. Yeah, and we purposely didn't put on any partner training right now, like isometrics put due to COVID. You know, that, that may be something we take out of small group for a while, but there used to be a lot of those type of exercises, you know, partner drills. But for now, you know, that is, that's something that's not not as appropriate as it once was. For, for right. Now. And uh, yes, absolutely, Marty. And for those of you who are out there listening, please use your towels responsibly. <laughs> we do not want you to wrap a bar of soap in the towel and hit the rude guy. That's just not, it's not good. It'll get you in trouble with the law. And speaking of wrapping the towel up and hitting the rude guy, I just gave you a movie reference I know. I was waiting for that. Name of that movie in the chat. And then whoever gets that answer, the first three people who get that right, we will invite you to the pilot virtual CES workshop. Three people, write the name of that movie in the chat. Greg will capture your information uh, and you'll be invited to our CES workshop either on December 12th or 13th. You do Thank know, you though, play. Prentice, I'm just saying there is two correct answers. Oh. <laughs> I will take, I will accept either correct answer. But okay. based on the theme of this, there is one that's more correct. Ah, someone got the second one. <laughs> someone, someone got, got the, the second, second one, yeah. One. I, think that deserves credit. I think that deserves credit. That deserves credit. Okay. <laughs> That deserves credit. Outstanding. Okay, so now we've uh, we've talked about our activation exercises. Now, finally, we can get into integration. How do you implement integration exercises into your group training sessions? 
Well, you know, again, when you think about integration, we're kind of thinking about trying to do more total body exercises. And so we're trying to integrate now the lower body versus, you know, with the upper body and get everything to play together nicely. And I personally love integration, quote, total body exercises in small group training. Because again, if you're doing 30 minute sessions or 45 minute sessions, you're getting more muscle groups involved. So you can kind of get more out of the session. I mean, but even if you're doing a full hour or anything, these are, these are fantastic exercises that will cover that's going to hit multiple body parts. And again, still focusing on your tempo, still focusing on the, the five kinetic chain checkpoints and really just making sure that you're dialed in and cueing correctly. Because again, we want to make sure that, that they're doing everything you know, to the, the best of their ability. Um, but the single leg squat to a PNF pattern, love that one. Again, requires no extra or no outside equipment. Um, the bear crawls in all three planes, those are super, super hard. Um, plus, really fun in a group environment. People are laughing and giggling and trying not to run into each other if you're doing it as, as a group or even if they're doing it at home, they could easily do that. Um, Prentice, we put this in for you. So oh. you could talk about this, but the partial Turkish get-up. Yes, absolutely. That, uh, that particular exercise works on a lot of patterns that you would – C is being uh, dysfunctional within your within your overhead squat assessments. You can definitely sit up to the elbow. You can work on uh, things like the overhead lunge. There's a lot wrapped up in that movement for you to take your uh, clients through in a group training session. Yes. And then, of course, you know, the lunge to rotation with all three planes, um, the single leg hop up to hold. Again, you know, we're still integrating some of these components that are going to be super, super beneficial on the balance side as well as um, range of motion and dynamic warm-ups. Um, push-up with, with rotation. Again, you can do the Spider-Man push-ups, which are super fun. And you guys saw at the very beginning um, of, of the intro that, you know, on the virtual coaching, they had the guy doing those, um, which is just like knee to elbow. Uh, I would probably keep his head in neutral, but you could definitely turn side to side if you were working on that, um, as well as mountain climbers. I mean, again, you know, those are some great exercises that are, you know, w what you commonly see in group training. Um, and then the world's greatest stretch. But I love, love, love that. Marty, do you want to tell everyone if they are not familiar what, sure. you know, what that one is? We don't, we don't have a picture of it, but basically if you look at the bottom right, the individual that's in a lunge, he would come back square. And then for the leg that is in front, so that is his right, you would bring your same side elbow down, keeping your spine, don't round your back, don't, you know, don't arch as far as you can. And you can keep the knee on the ground as a beginner level, or you can extend the back legs. So now you get uh, a, there's going to be some stability and balance and coordination, but now you get a little more hip extension and then you're getting a lot of adductor magnus on that front leg. And then you can go into thoracic rotation. So again, if you do five to 10 reps and you've got the back leg off the ground and you're going slow and controlled, you're going to get somebody's heart rate elevated. You're going to get a lot of great mobility, but same thing with like bear crawls. Imagine doing them slow. Like it's not about how fast you can get somewhere sometimes. Right? So when you look at doing all of these with controlling that tempo, you're really going to get people's heart rate up, but you're fixing people. You're not breaking people. And that's the key thing. And, and another thing, I mean, if you guys like chose two or three of the activation exercises, and then you just did all seven of these, that is going to be like a crusher, again, especially at the four two one tempo. And then you could do, you know, one to three sets of that. And it, it was very CES focused, 
but very, very challenging because you're working time under tension and you're working a lot of variations. You're getting some stretch components. You're getting some rotation. You're getting some dynamic stretching in there. But then again, you're getting specific activation and integration together. So um, that was one of the things when we put this together, we're like, hey, this, is, this itself is a fantastic and super challenging workout, you know, just to try. And then you can throw in your own little things to spice it up as well. Okay, that's all. That's all really good. Now, what we want to talk about is uh, you have to set this up some kind of way. Group training lends itself to circuit training. How are you setting up these stations to maximize your time and, and getting the people the work that they need? I mean, I'll jump in first. The key thing is have a plan. And, you know, you know, Wendy talked about how she picked her class size and she knew her space. You know, you've got to figure out what's the best coaching environment. You want people in front of you, not behind you. And so you can use lines, offset lines, you know, semicircles, potentially a circle if, if it's something that where you can continue to rotate around. But I've seen far too many people just kind of winging it and like they're like, all right. And they're like, that should be scripted out. And, you know, you should have a couple scripts that you use because you could do the same workout and change the script up as far as how people do it, partner, no partner, you know, and then all of a sudden they think it's a whole new workout. You just change the environment, but set yourself up for success with the teaching environment based on being able to see everybody, them being able to see and hear you, as well as now they're not stuck behind somebody when they're trying to look at you. So that just comes from being organized the night, be night before. Okay. Yeah. And then to your point, Marty, with or without partners, because of COVID right now, we're, we're obviously stressing the without partners, especially because the numbers are back on the rise. But I think I can't stress the importance of, of people feeling like they have to have like an arsenal of equipment. And to me, I mean, even, even teaching as a master instructor for NASM for multiple years and Marty, you as well, cause you know, we're, we're old school here, but I mean, just putting trainers that are experienced. I love it. Um, you know, even putting trainers through like just a phase one workout with no, no, equipment and you guys are trainers, sometimes it's hard because you're doing something different and you're doing it in a very slow and controlled um, five kinetic chain checkpoint alignment and everything. And it's very hard and you guys are sweating. So imagine someone that's coming in that's not a trainer that doesn't have the background or the fitness level that you guys do. Um, if you really do this, I mean, you don't really need any outside equipment. You know, however, you know, if there's, you want to have music, you know, you want to keep that in mind, what's music that's tasteful. Because now you go into the gym, some people are doing like crazy, like techno music or rap music or country music. And people are like, oh my gosh, you need to find something that's fun that, you know, again, is going to provide a very great environment that's going to be pleasing to all and clean, if you will. Um, and then also, of course, one of the, the most important ones is safety. Um, safety is going to, to, you know, be the most important thing. Um, unfortunately, there are gyms that are now reclosing. But if you are able to do, um, you know, have an open gym, you got to think about, you know, how close are your, your people? How close do they need to be or is safe? Um, for them to be, or if you're going to do it outside, um, think about like, where are they going to be? Cause a lot of times people are like, I'm going to go to the park. However, keep in mind there are sometimes there's potholes in the, in, you know, so you really want to evaluate the grass, evaluate the, the dirt, whatever it is that you're going to have them on and be respectful. Because if you're going to do a lot of things on the ground, you also want to make sure it's not muddy that, that, you know, that it's just a, a good experience all around. 
And then of course you have to have a payment plan. Like at that point, if they come in and, you know, in, in the facility that we did the, the small group, they would actually pay beforehand for the entire month. They would sign up for five sessions. They would get on the calendar. They would pay for those five sessions and whether they showed up or not, they still paid for it. Um, we would take that payment every month on the month they'd sign in and that's, and they were, they were locked into that time. Now, if they are coming to like, you know, you're meeting them outside, you're doing things at a park, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, you can do a, a Venmo right then and there. You can have a square, take credit cards, just know how you're going to take the payment plan and make or your payment um, and have a plan and let make sure that everyone knows how you're accepting that payment. Because if you are thinking that everyone knows when they walk in, they have to pay immediately. It's very convenient for people to say, oh, I forgot my credit card or, oh, I don't have this, you know, and you may or may not get paid for that session. So just make sure that you're very clear of the expectations on the payment side, that you have it set up to where you can receive the payment as explained. And, and then at that point, don't be afraid to charge what you're worth, depending on the group size and as, as well as where, you know, how you're going to just set it all up. And that's absolutely a, that's absolutely a good point. And uh, related to the other things you were talking about, about your uh, small group culture, you want all of that spelled up, spelled out front before they take a session with you. I mean, we don't want to get we don't want to get weird about money. So that should be right in your FAQs if you have a website or however it is you're communicating with your customers. And you should have a link to your to your payment service, whatever that is, so that you can so that you can do your other job of being uh, being a good group trainer. So now uh, we've come to the end of this session. And before we go on to your key takeaways, what do we have in store? What are our next couple of sessions going to cover with uh, small group training? Wendy? So, so again, you know, Marty and I, we started to put together just one on small group training and we're like, oh my goodness, we have so much information. Like, why don't we break it up into three? And so again, because we're super passionate about the CES, as you guys know, um, we wanted to show you guys, like you literally could do just a CES small training, you know, like group workout and actually, um, have tremendous results to get a good workout in. And it would be very beneficial for most of the individuals that come to you. But we also wanted to make sure that we embrace the open PT model itself, like talk about the different phases, um, you know, how, how, again, we, you know, how to set up your groups, whether you're going to do it, like I've talked about individualized or together, um, just kind of give some different exercise ideas um, of how you could kind of undulate or even individualize. Um, so we wanted to spend some time doing that. So that's what we're going to do on our next session. And then the last part of that would be for group training. We're going to do one specifically for power. So more of the boot camp, more of the high, high intensity hit type workouts. Um, again, some of our favorite exercises, how we would set it up. And, um, and we hope you guys join because we think they're, I think they're going to be fantastic. <laughs> I agree. completely. Yes. And if you plan your sessions properly, you will not have to miracle anyone off of your obstacles. Um, so there's another quote there, same movie. Uh, I'll stop now. But now let's talk about your uh, key takeaways for today. Uh, Marty, let's go ahead and start with you. Just like every webinar that we roundtable that we've done since the start of this is assessments are key. Just because we're doing it in group doesn't mean we don't follow you know, the science that we've learned through NASM that we need to get people to move better. 
This is just a different way to do it. So assessments are the key. We've given you some ideas, whether maybe you do offer one-on-ones or depending on your business model, but we're still going to assess whether it's in the group or individually. Then follow the model. I've said this, I think, countless times is let the model work for you. Don't outthink it. It's been proven. Just learn how to tweak it and get creative with it, but follow the model. That blends right into that being creative, having fun with it. And then obviously, you know, we gave some key takeaways on this about the how to, you know, look at the five kinetic chain checkpoints, whether Wendy said she was able to do individual workouts, whether we do it just as a group, whether you use some of the people in class, you know, as a, hey, remember, we, we got to keep our feet straight because we want to get people better and more efficient in movement. That way they get their fitness goals even quicker and then they can go through and do even more than they, they might have thought because you're improving them biomechanically while you're improving their what they think is their overall fitness level. So all the answers are right there for you. Just go out and practice it like we kind of scripted it for you already. You're on mute, Princess. Uh, yeah, my daughter is in uh, my daughter's in <laughs> class and they're they're acting. So I'm trying to keep it a little quiet. But before uh, I give you the last word, Wendy, uh, one thing that both of you said that I want to uh, this should be a key point, too, is that the culture of your group sessions starts with you. And that's your your emotions, your your communication skills your preparation, those are all some key factors in, in, those are all some key drivers in what's going to make your group training sessions uh, successful. And Wendy, you have the last word. Well, I think, you know, you guys both said, said, said it all perfectly. I mean, a couple of things too, just if you are going to do, you know, like if your niche is corrective exercise and that's where your heart lies, again, you know, I think you should be able to blend. Hopefully if you keep listening to our webinars, you're going to be able to blend from like, you know, one to seven. Um, however, you know, have fun with it and, and expand your business. Like don't feel like you can't do group training. Cause I really do believe, I mean, I've done one-on-one, I do group, I've done, you know, a variation throughout, uh, throughout my day. It breaks up the day. It makes it fun. You can actually earn more money per hour, but you're also building that sense of community. And so I really think that if, if it's something you haven't considered before, especially now um, during COVID, you could still have a small group, you know, over, over Zoom and, and be, you know, still helping multiple people. Because again, the reason I ended up doing small group was I had people that were on quote a waiting list because I didn't have enough hours in my day and I wanted to help so many people. And so I've done the small group CES stuff. It works. People were getting a lot of really good benefits, feeling better, moving better, performing better. And um, at the end of the day, I then could take them and move them up, you know, up the different phases successfully. And, um, and it, and it was just fun. It just broke up my day. So just, just keep that in mind. It's just another alternative, something to think about. Please don't forget to have them sign a waiver just because they're in a group. The waivers are super, super important. Um, and yeah, like just, just try it. Try some of the exercises if you're not familiar with them and see what you think. All right. Thank you both for your uh, takeaways. Uh, we've done something that we haven't done before. We have five minutes. So <laughs> while we're waiting, if there are any outstanding questions, please throw them in the chat and uh, Greg will send them over to us so that we can address them. And while we're waiting for those, uh, let's do what we always do. Let's tell the people how to find you out there in social land. 
Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys want to email me, you could find me at wendy.bats at nasm.org, or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And then for me, it's marty.miller at nasm.org. And then that is the wrong Instagram somehow. <laughs> That's an old guy. <laughs> it's dr.martymiller72. So we just caught that. So dr.martymiller72. And look, we're going to edit it on the fly. That's just the technology that we have. But Wendy, I'm going to give you and Ken a shameless plug, and then we can talk about the coffee talk as well as let them know about your podcast, and maybe they'll send uh, you some ideas as well. Yeah, so Ken Miller and I started a podcast. Obviously, it's hosted by NASM, and it's called Random Fit. And it's really about random topics in the fitness industry. We covered, we've covered one on like a Rocky montage, like was it you know uh, country strong versus uh, strength based. So it was super super fun. We did one um, on like this is how we roll, talking specifically on foam rolling. Uh, we did on one, can you really squat like a toddler or like like a baby. So really hope you guys check it out. You can, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether, you know, you're through Apple or Google, just download the podcast, listen to it. Um, it's, it's a little different than this because it's more just kind of out there on, on a lot of very <laughs> variety of topics, but we have a really good time with it. And we think you guys hopefully will enjoy it as well. Yep. And then, you know, I continually trying to always be in front of you guys and getting great information out. I do uh, I hijack NASM's Instagram twice a week. So tomorrow morning, Friday, 6 a.m. East Coast time. And just to let you know, if you jump in, I am getting up at 3 a.m. Cause I'm in LA right now. So I'm going to be committed. I will get up at 3 AM and then Tuesdays at 9 30 AM East Coast time. And basically what I do there is just answer questions live for 20, 30 minutes and, you know, just see how we can help you guys continue to develop your career. All right. Thank you for that information. And uh, if any of you ever want to find me, I will not leave my Instagram uh, handle here. Just find me. Some of you have, and you've asked me questions. Um, and we, it looks like we just got one question. Uh, so we have time. Okay. Uh, Becky, thank you for uh, joining us today, Becky. And uh, Becky wants to know if we could uh, speak about uh, group training for those with knee replacements. What are some common things you see? And uh, she gives an example. Uh, Doctors sometimes tell their patients not to get on the floor and other other physicians uh, say that it's okay. So five out of 10 physicians say that it's okay. The other five do not. What do you say? I'll, I'll be happy to jump in. So really, this again comes down to the intake process. So if you're going to do small group only, you're going to have to see if you feel comfortable dealing with this or you might say, hey, let's do some one on one training first. This is what I recommend. You know, so you got to do that. You're going to follow what the doctor says. But this goes back to having a plan, because if you have your progressions and regressions, what if you have you're going outside and it rains and the grass is still a little wet or muddy? You're going to just get everybody on the ground. So again, you're going to have to have some variety and have some exercises where maybe you do it just standing. And so that's where it comes ahead of time from how you bring people in, make sure you're not just lumping them right into a group immediately without doing the park cues and the assessments the and the history to see what they can and can't do. And then 
if you can't handle their uh, physical issues, be honest about it and or tell them how you can, but you've got to plan ahead of time and have those progressions and regressions. Okay. And now, the, sorry, what I should have said, this phase would be perfect for someone with knee replacements. This is ideal for them. So what, hence why we want you to focus on being able to do small group with the CES. And to kind of piggyback off of that too, I mean, more and more doctors are, are not really putting a lot of limitations on after they've had a successful uh, re rehab. So again, you know, maybe Becky, it would be important to ask if they went through physical therapy, if after they got cleared by their physical therapist, if there's been any changes in what the doctors are saying their limitations are. So, um, I mean, again, I see people in our facility that have knee replacements, shoulder replacements, and they're not limited at all. Their range of motion might be a little bit off, but that's what they're working towards is to try to better that as well as, as get better movement patterns. So it's okay to ask the questions like you said with Marty or Marty said on the intake, but just be sure to follow up and ask why the doctor said not to get them on the floor. Because again, if they're at home and they're on the floor, are they, how are they ever supposed to get up? So you're trying to train for the activities of daily living, but again, you don't want to go against what a doctor is saying. So just try to get a little more clarification and then see if uh, you can work, work it out accordingly. And that's also part of the process of developing your network. And oftentimes, if you explain to a physician what you're doing and take that step of getting on the phone and uh, you, make their, you make them feel that their patients are going to be secure, you'll usually be able to implement your, your program, provided that you're uh, following all of the steps that have been uh, laid out for you here. Okay, so if there aren't any more questions, I want to thank everybody who uh, jumped on and joined us today. Thank you, Wendy and Marty, as always. This was fun and informative. And uh, thank you, Greg, for keeping us together in the background. And we will see, we'll be off next week for the holiday. So enjoy your holiday time with your family. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks.